Hello, friends. Welcome to Trivia Over Tea, the quiz show podcast where we drink tea and play trivia. I am your host, Matthew Cook, and I'm here virtually once again with our scorekeeper, Carter Zanke. How are you doing today, Carter? Doing really well. There have only been a few times where I've felt this great before an episode, and this is one of them. Well, that's fantastic. Let's meet this week's contestants. First, we have Gwen. Hello, I'm Gwen. I'm in a, a closet uh, in my voiceover booth because that is what I do. And I am drinking, oh, I forget what it is, but it's like a turmeric. It's some really bougie tea. It's like a oolong turmeric some something. It's like it had like four words. Oh, no, Arabica. Arabica. Ooh, well, that sounds good. I have anyway, oolong. It's tea, tea and it's delicious. Well, fantastic. Thank you, Gwen. And we also have Graham. Hey, everybody. I'm Graham, and I'm in my bedroom. Uh, and I am drinking, uh, uh, I'm drinking, after I heard Matthew's reaction to cherry tea, I decided against the Positive Vibes tangerine tea that I was going to drink. And instead, I went with a good old-fashioned Irish breakfast. Well, we do like a good old-fashioned Irish breakfast. Well, thank you, Graham and Gwen. We're going to have four rounds of questions, each with a slightly different format today. And so without further ado, Carter will explain the rules for round one. Yes, so round one is our first general knowledge round. It has five multiple choice questions for each of you. Uh, feel free to pick the answer that most speaks to you. Gwen, you are up first. Are you ready? Crap. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Question one. What animated children's show followed the lives of Tommy and Chucky, among others, and was notable in the 1990s for focusing on a Jewish family? A, Rugrats, B, Tiny Toon Adventures, or C, Animaniacs? I am going to confidently go with A, Rugrats. That is correct. Good show. Question two. On May 5th, 1961, who became the first American in space? A, John Glenn, B, Alan Shepard, or C, Neil Armstrong? First American in space. In space. Which is different than first person to be on the moon, which wasn't even... Correct. Can you repeat the options, please? Option A was John Glenn, B, Alan Shepard, and C, Neil Armstrong. I am going to go with A, John Glenn. I don't know why. He was the first person to orbit the Earth, but unfortunately well, the first American in space was B, Alan Shepard. Now, see, you know, I thought about that B might be better because A was the answer to the last one. Mm. <laughs> Yes. Anyway. Well, okay. I like to vary my choices, and sometimes I, I go back to back. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Glenn uh, was in space in 1962, February 20th. Ah. Um, and then Neil Armstrong was first in space aboard Gemini 8, um, March 16th, 1966, before he was commander of the first lunar landing on Apollo 11. Question three Climate, cattle, cotton, citrus, and what? are the five C's that served an important role in Arizona's economy in the early history of the state. A, copper, B, cars, or C, communication. I'm pretty sure it was copper. That's correct. Yeah! According to the Arizona State Library, uh, Native Americans used gold, silver, and copper for tools, weapons, jewelry, and painting pottery, and European settlers started seeking Arizona's rich metals in the 18th and 19th centuries, and by 1863, nearly a quarter of Arizonans were mining for metals, and copper ore is still mined in the state for many different uses, including wire and coins. 
Question 4. According to the Tea Association of the USA, iced tea represented what percentage of the U.S.'s total tea consumption in 2020? A. 35 to 40 percent, B. 55 to 60 percent, or C. 75 to 80 percent? How would they know that? I'm going to go with B. No, it was actually C, 75 to 80 percent. I and, thought uh, it was high, but I didn't think it was that high. Yeah. And, of course, it represents not only the freshly brewed iced tea that you get in restaurants, but also the bottled tea uh, from right. Lipton and Bigelow and, and all those other yeah. um, companies that are so popular. The U.S. is the only country in the world that consumes the majority of its teas chilled. Brilliant. And finally, question five. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart disliked soprano Adriana Ferrarese del Bene, who originated the role of Fiordaligi in Così fan tutte, to the point where he wrote large harmonic leaps in her character's showcase aria, Come Scolio, in order to make her do what? A. Take her out of her comfortable range. B. Highlight her prominent voice crack when moving through her passaggio. Or C. Bob her head like a chicken. I would guess it's all of the above. But, oh, but you got to choose one. I know. Oh no. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to choose B, the prominent voice crack. No, it was actually C, bob her head like a chicken. <laughs> Dang it. Of course it is. <laughs> she was known what? to have she was known to have a strange habit of dropping her chin and throwing her head back while singing low and high notes respectively. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. These are the, these are the things that we could stand to learn more about when we learned about Mozart. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know of course I should have picked C but because just that, how, that's just how outrageous. petty he was. Yeah, he, he really was. All righty, Graham, are you ready for your five questions? I am ready. Question one. On May 5th, 1904, what baseball pitcher, whose name appears on the annual award for best pitcher in each league, pitched the first perfect game in the World Series era? A, Walter Johnson, B, Cy Young, or C, Christy Mathewson? Uh, that's B, Cy Young. That is correct. Um, he also pitched two no-hitters, and he's the winningest and losingest pitcher in Major League Baseball history. Question two. While its official language is English, what other European language is considered the second language of Bermuda? A, Portuguese, B, Spanish, or C, French? Uh, I'm, I'm very confident that it's A, Portuguese. That's correct. Portuguese Bermudians make up about 25% of the island's population. Portuguese Bermudians largely came from the Cape Verde Islands and the Azores. Question three. Which of the following composers was born last? A. Ludwig van Beethoven, B. Johannes Brahms, or C. Hector Berlioz? Oh, man. I think it's C. Hector Berlioz. No. He was born in the middle. Actually, it was Johannes Brahms. Brahms was born in 1833, Beethoven in 1770, and Berlioz was born in 1803. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So close. So close. So close. <laughs> question, <laughs> and question four. According to proper tea etiquette, when seated at a table, the tea drinker should leave what on the table? A, the teaspoon, B, the teacup, or C, the saucer? Leave it on the table like after you uh, never never pick it up. Yeah, le yeah, leave it on the table all times. Uh, 
I, I think it's the spoon, eh? The spoon. I feel like I've seen people pick up the saucer and drink. No, you're not supposed to pick up the saucer. It's C. Um, well. Yeah. Um, the teaspoon should be placed on the saucer, either to the right or behind the teacup. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And finally, question five. On January 15th, 1919, in Boston, a truck carrying 2.3 million gallons of what burst, sending the contents through the streets at an estimated 35 miles per hour? A, gasoline, B, sewage, or C, molasses? I believe this is molasses, and I think it was actually kind of a ma massive disaster at the time. It was molasses, and it was kind of a massive disaster. Um, it, uh, it's called the Great Molasses Flood. There were 21 people who died as, as a result of it, and uh, it injured 150 people total. And Bostonians claimed for decades afterward that on hot summer days, the area still smelled like molasses. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Wow. So, Carter, something you have to look forward to when you move to, when you move to Boston. Absolutely. All righty, that's the end of round one. So, Carter, can you please give us a score update? A pretty close heat here. Uh, Graham has 30 points and Gwen has 20. So, off to a good start. It's now time for our weekly audience question. If you recall, last week's question was about baseball. Who is first all-time in strikeouts in Major League Baseball history? And the answer to that is Nolan Ryan. He recorded 5,714 strikeouts in his career. To put that in perspective, the person in second place, Randy Johnson, he only has 4,875. So Nolan Ryan really in a league of his own, as it were. For this week's question, we turn to the Oscars. Frances McDormand became the seventh person to win three acting Academy Awards just this past April. Who was the only person to win four? Have a think, write to me, and I'll announce the answer next week. And now it is time for round two. Carter, can you please explain the rules? Yes. Uh, round two will have five questions directed to each of you on the same topic. Uh, here, there are no longer multiple choice. Um, if you get the correct answer, you'll win 20 points. And if you don't, your opponent can answer for 10 points. All righty. Gwen, you are up first. Okay, let me take a sip of my tea real quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Your topic is Prince Philip, because what? this is the first episode that we are taping since his death on April 9th. So are you ready? No. All right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Question one. Prince Philip was born on the island of Corfu in what Mediterranean nation? Greece. That's correct. Yes. His father was Prince Andrew of Greece, um, the younger brother of King Constantine I of Greece, and the grandson of King Christian IX of Denmark. And his mother, Princess Alice of Battenberg, was the eldest child of Prince Louis of Battenberg, who changed the family name to Mountbatten, which Philip eventually adopted. His family had to flee Greece in 1922, and he was smuggled out of the country on a British Royal Navy ship in a cot made from an orange box. Whoa. Yeah. That's intense. Wild. Wild. Question two. Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth are both great-great-grandchildren of what British queen 
who ruled for the second half of the 19th century. Why am I blanking on queens? I'm going to go with RuPaul. No, wrong queen. Graham? <laughs> I believe it's Queen Victoria. It's Queen Victoria. Yay! Yes. Question <laughs> three. If I'm, you're going to go go wrong, go real wrong, you know what I mean? That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go big or go home. That's, that's <laughs> our motto here at Trivia Over Tea. Question three. Having acquired a love for sailing at an early age, Prince Philip served in what branch of the British military in World War II? Oh, was he a Marine? They call Marines? Navy, Navy. 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 Sorry, the British yes. Navy. Yes, the Royal Navy. Um, even though he left the Navy in 1951, he remained connected throughout his life, and the Queen eventually made him Lord High Admiral of the Royal Navy. Yay. Question four. Philip and Elizabeth have four children, Charles, Anne, Andrew, and what youngest son who, upon his mother's death, will inherit his father's title of Duke of Edinburgh? Will you say the names of the other three children, please? Charles, Anne, and Andrew. Those are like the ones I know the most. David. No. Graham. Who, David. Who? Oh, Graham, right. do you know? Graham answers. Oh, is it is it William? No, it's Edward. Prince Edward. Edward. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. He's currently the Earl of Wessex. Oh. And finally, question five. In two thousand nine, Prince Philip became the longest serving British consort a distinction previously held by Queen Charlotte, who was consort to what 18th century king, the third of his name? King Henry III. No. No, of course not. Graham? It's not, it's not, is it Edward? No, no, it's George III. George, George right. I was like Henry the, the, the king oh, who was, when, when we fought the Revolutionary War. Yep. Right. Yep. Wonderful. George the Third. All righty, Graham, your topic is Cinco de Mayo because okay. this podcast is being released on May 5th. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All righty. Question one. Because of the common misconception that Cinco de Mayo is Mexican Independence Day, the holiday is most widely celebrated in which country? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I want to say Mexico, but I feel like it's the United States. It is the United States. It was originally a way of uh, encouraging pride among Mexican immigrants to the U.S. and has, of course, over the years become more and more appropriated by non-Mexican Americans. In Mexico, the holiday is only widely commemorated, primarily widely commemorated, I should say, in the state of Puebla. The actual Mexican Independence Day is September 16th, which commemorates El Grito de Dolores, the cry of Dolores, the call to arms which started the Mexican War of Independence against Spain in 1810. Question two. The holiday commemorates what 1862 event? Man, um, what 1862 event? It's not the Alamo, I, I don't think. Um, I, <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I don't know. Well, it's not the Alamo. Um, uh, Gwen, do you know? Dude, it was it the um when I I have no idea either. Okay. And I'm very sad about it. This is called the Battle of Puebla. Oh. And a um a group of Mexican soldiers led by General Ignacio Zaragoza were outnumbered two to one, um, but still managed to win. Question wow. three: This victory came against what European colonial power? 
Uh, I'm going to say Spain. No. Gwen? <sighs> England. No, it's actually France. Oh, stupid France. Yeah. <laughs> the end of Spanish colonial rule was back in 1821. But... Right. Question four. The French invaded Mexico after what Mexican president, the namesake of the major city that sits across the Rio Grande from El Paso, Texas, declared that the country was too poor to pay its debts? What is right across from El... Uh, Laredo. No. Gwen? That's in Texas. God. <laughs> let, nope. let me sum up for you. Not, mm, nope. I have what's, no idea. What's the city that's across from El Paso, Texas? Yeah, that's what that's I can't a... think of <laughs> at all. Okay. This is Juarez. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Benito Juarez is his name. And the city uh, was renamed in 1888 um, in his honor. And uh, Juarez and El Paso are the second largest binational metropolitan area on the U.S.-Mexico border after San Diego and Tijuana. Hard questions. Yeah. Yeah, can you just not, not, not put this one out? <laughs> well, just don't release this episode. Just this call be it a, a learning. tea break and like a rehearsal. A conversation <laughs> rather than a competition. Correct. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> and finally, question five. France at the time was ruled by what emperor, the third of his name? Uh, this is 1862. Uh, I, I mean, emperor makes me think Napoleon. I feel like that was the last emperor of France. Is that that's your answer? That's my answer, Napoleon. That's correct. Napoleon the Third was his name. Um, it was not Napoleon Bonaparte. Who he, right. he was Napoleon the First, um, but Napoleon the Third, I believe, was his grandson or something like that. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, wow. that's the end of round two. Wow. How harder? You? Can you please give us a score update? Well, Graham picked up fifty points that round, and Gwen picked up forty. So now our total wow. score is eighty to sixty. Graham and Gwen. Alrighty, it's moving right along. I thought it was gonna be, so I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still very much anybody's game. Before we get to round three, I just wanted to put in a quick programming note and tell you that starting next week, we are gonna have our very first trivia over tea tournament of champions. We're all very very excited for this. What we're going to do is we're going to take the top eight scorers from our first 14 episodes, and they're going to compete in a single elimination tournament. And so on May 12th, 19th, 26th, and June 2nd, we're going to have the quarterfinal matches, and then followed by the semifinal matches on June 9th and 16th, and finally the grand final on June 23rd. And then we're going to have a very special episode on June 30th before we return to our regular programming on July 7th. And so if you check our Instagram and Facebook pages, we're going to post the bracket to let you know who's in the tournament and who you can expect to hear on each week's episode. And so now we'll continue on with this game, and it's time for round three. So Carter, can you please explain the rules? Yes, round three is like round two. Uh, but the stakes are a little bit higher. So now questions are worth 30 points if you get them correct. And if you don't, your opponent can answer for 15 points. All righty, Gwen, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Question one. What interstate highway, whose number also appears on the bypass route of Lake Charles, Louisiana, is also known as the Foothill Freeway in Southern California? 
The 210? That's correct. Interstate 210. Although it was actually signed as State Route 210, east wow. of the 57 to its terminus with the 10 in Redlands. Question two. The movie Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, is used as a joking comparison to the roof pattern of a Rolls-Royce Wraith Khan in what major hit by The Weeknd that talks about fame? Oh, no. Starboy? Wait, what's, is that what it's called? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, oh, oh my God. Starboy. The use yes, of expensive uh... cars is common in The Weeknd's music, as the music video for Blinding Lights features the singer driving a Mercedes-Benz AMG GT, which he got from a promotional deal with the company. Oh, wow. Yeah. Question three. On May 5th, 1891, Tchaikovsky was a guest conductor for the opening concert at what New York performance venue, which was once home to the New York Philharmonic Orchestra? Oh, no. Oh, I am blanking. The, the, the concert hall of Manhattan. I don't know. I can't think. Okay. Nope. Graham. Graham. Carnegie Hall? That's correct. Carnegie Hall. It was part of a five-day festival to celebrate the hall's opening. Um, he conducted his composition, Marche Solonelle, on opening night, and over the five-day period, earned $5,000 for his appearances, equivalent to $140,000 today. So, not bad for a week's work. Question four. What is the most populous state capital? Not the metro area, just the city most populous state capital state capital los angeles <laughs> not a state capital oh wait <laughs> graham oh my god that's so um, embarrassing <laughs> the most populous state capital not including the metro area <laughs> just the city um, just the city just limits the city. just the city limits um i'm, I'm gonna say austin texas no. Graham, this is, uh, and uh, Gwen, this is Phoenix, Arizona. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was really? thinking that, but I thought I the urban sprawl populous. would take that out of the. Yeah, Phoenix is huge. Yeah, Phoenix is huge. A 2019 that's, estimate. That's where I'm from. No big deal. <laughs> 2019 estimate of 1.68 million people is the fifth largest city in the U.S. We're going to um, pretend I didn't say Los Angeles, guys. Okay. Just we'll just pretend that that didn't happen. Wingle it away. The metro area of, of Phoenix is estimated to have um, almost a half million people less than the Atlanta area, which is the capital, of course, of Georgia. Um, but Atlanta itself only has a population of about 500,000. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And finally, question five. Just like he played the titular character in Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda played what main character of In the Heights in its original Broadway production? Uh, Usnavi. Correct. Yeah, Usnavi. Yeah. He was named after the first sight his parents saw when they arrived in America, a ship with the sign U.S. Navy on it. All righty, Graham, are you ready for your five questions? I hope so. All righty. Question one. What interstate highway, otherwise known as the Long Beach Freeway, was originally planned to connect all the way through to Pasadena, but instead now has its northern terminus at Valley Boulevard in Alhambra? Oh, man. Oh God! It's the is it the is it the six ten? No, Gwen. Is it the ninety one? Ninety one? No. Is it is it the seven ten? It's the seven ten. Seven ten. No. Yeah. 
Um, the fight to extend the freeway all the way to Pasadena has waged for decades, and uh, it has been primarily blocked by residents of the city of South Pasadena. Question two. Before he won the award for his role in Gladiator, Russell Crowe was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor for playing Dr. Jeffrey Wigand in what film? Uh, that's The Insider. Correct. And he was also nominated in 2002 for playing John Nash in A Beautiful Mind. Question three. What city, located 279 miles east of Seattle along Interstate 90, is Washington's second most populous city? 290 miles east of Seattle. East of Seattle. Is that going to be, um, it's not Walla Walla, is it? No, it's not Walla Walla. Gwen? Is it Spokane? It's Spokane. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Spokane has about 5,000 more people than Tacoma and is estimated to be about 225,000 people. The metro area is about 575,000. I was just talking about Spokane with a friend. I got really lucky there. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Shortly before the British settled the uninhabited island, in 1609, 150 passengers on board the Sea Venture shipwrecked offshore Bermuda while bound for what Virginia colony? I believe it's Jamestown. That's correct. Yes. Everyone on board survived, um, and they built two ships on the island to finish the journey. Uh, and in 1612, Bermuda was included in the third charter of the Virginia Company, and 60 English settlers were sent to Bermuda to join three people who remained from the sea venture. Finally, question five. Before her leading role on Friends, Courtney Cox played Lauren Miller, a psychology major at Leland College, in seasons six and seven of what 80s sitcom? Oh, man. Um, I'm guessing it was an NBC show. And, uh, man, Courtney Cox, 80s. Is... I have head of the class. No. Gwen? Oh, dude. I mean, <laughs> the Golden Girls? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, this is Family Ties. Oh, dang uh. it. She dates Alex P. Keaton, and they break up when he cheats on her with music major Marty Brody in the seventh season. Okay. Alex. What a kid. Alrighty. That's the end of round three. So, Carter, can you please give us a score update? Well, Gwen outscored Graham this round, uh, pulling ahead with 165 points to Graham's 155. So Whoa. Really It's time for round four. Carter, can you please explain the rules? Yes. Round four is our showdown where each question is worth 40 points. Uh, we'll do three of them, and we're going to ask you to write down your answers so we can reveal them about the same time. Graham, Gwen, are you ready? Yep. Yes. Question one. What is the only U.S. state that touches three Canadian provinces? Physically touches. Physically touches. No, psychologically touches. <laughs> Do we have an answer? I think so. Okay, Gwen, what is your answer? Maryland. Graham? Not even. I put Michigan. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Maryland and Michigan, two very different states. Um, no, uh, the answer is Montana. Uh, well, it also starts with M. So also starts with M, to be fair. Up. Yeah. Michigan, I believe, only touches Ontario. 
because Ontario, Ontario goes on forever, never, never. Montana, though, touches British Columbia, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. Cool. Good yeah. for Montana. Yeah. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> Question two. Renamed in 1904, Times Square was formerly known as what? Do we have a guess? Sort of. Sort of. Maybe. It's no. Gwen? I, happy Square. Graham? I said Roosevelt Square. Well, it's probably a good guess, um, but uh, that's both are wrong. Um, the <laughs> yeah. answer is Long Acre Square. Actually, <sighs> I read this in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, and it was, of course, renamed Times Square when the New York Times moved its headquarters to um, a new sky, uh, skyscraper located there, which is now one Times Square. It was originally named after Long Acre, which is a street in London. That's hmm. cute. Why did yeah. you do that? And finally, question three. What Irish-American civil engineer now the namesake of roads in the Santa Monica Mountains, developed the infrastructure that provided the water supply for Los Angeles. Uh, and and uh, roads in the Santa Monica Mountains? Yeah. I don't even... I, I, I would suggest pick a street. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Gwen, do you have an answer? Claremont. No. Oh. Gwen, uh, Graham? I said Rimmer. But that's not right. No. Oh, I um, hope it is. No, it's not right. <laughs> the answer is Mulholland. William Mulholland. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. dang. Of Mulholland oh, Drive. And, that's uh, hard. Yeah. He helped develop the Los Angeles aqueducts um, that bring water from the Owens Valley to L.A. And they've, of course, been controversial from the beginning, um, sparking the California water wars. Um, and the water diversions eliminated the Owens Valley as a farming community early in the 20th century. Hmm. I have learned so much today. Wow. Well, and that's what we're all about here. This is, this is a learning it. experience for everybody, yeah. always. Yeah. Well, we've reached the end of the game. So, <laughs> Carter, what's the final score? Well, we have no changes in that last round. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this might be one of the closest games we've had, though. Uh, Gwen yeah. with 165 and Graham with 155. Only 10 I points apart. Well. Congratulations, Gwen. Bro, you have won. Thanks. Do you have anything that you would like to say? Um, I would like to thank this tea that shall remain nameless for supporting my journey today. And I would like to thank Graham. I'd like to thank you, Gwen. Not answering questions correctly sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Thank you, Gwen and Graham, for being on the show today, as well as Thank Carter Zanke for being our scorekeeper and Mason Cook for composing the music and contributing some questions. And thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to Trivia Over Tea on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a review if you enjoyed it. And check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and follow us at Trivia Over Tea. Feel free to message us there if you have any comments or suggestions regarding the show. And tune in next week when we'll start our Trivia Over Tea Tournament of Champions. And we'll have two new contestants and 33 more fantastic questions. Thank you. We'll see you next week. 